happen. If you ask me what's the heartbeat of Christ Community Church, I would say teaching the Bible and watching that transform lives. That's the heartbeat. If you took that out of Christ Community Church and you kept everything else, it wouldn't be long before we died. And we might have a lot of external activities or something, but it wouldn't be long before you take that heart out and there really wouldn't be much left of value. But just like a human heart is meant to pump life out, it's meant to pump life out to the extremities. It's, it's located at the center, but it's not all that there is. It's a, it has a purpose. It has a purpose to pump life out to, to the farthest ends. And the purpose of teaching the Bible and the purpose of watching that transform lives is to touch the world, especially the community around us. If you just took a heart and put it in a glass jar, it could look healthy, but it would be disconnected from its purpose. And for us to just teach the Bible and watch it transform lives, but yet not use it to extend out into the community would be like a heart that just got pickled in a jar. It might look nice. You'd say, well, they've got a couple of neat little things, but we've, we've completely lost our purpose by not having that heartbeat move us out into the community. You see that in Paul's words. He, he's exhorting the people in Philippi to shine like stars in the universe. That, that these little points of light are going to be scattered all the way across this, the, the dark sky. And they're going to have been connected to Jesus. And then when the darkness closes in, you're going to watch these people just come out. They're going to extend themselves out into these dark places. On the video, you heard a few of the ways that we're doing that right now at Christ Community Church. My longtime relationship with Rob Campbell and these pastors that I meet with and met with them just this past week, trying to wrestle down some of the uh, racial issues in our city. The Swandella Nixon, who runs the center over there for children at Greenfield Village, is another place. Uh, Amy Utes, who's the principal at Mary C. Williams, and we do the tutoring program for her kids. Uh, Some people are now going there to read to students as well. And, of course, what we do with uh, business leaders here in Wilmington through Iron Leadership. They're all part of that external outreach But I hope you noticed, especially uh, Swandella and Rob's comments. I've seen churches come, but then they go. They don't stick with it. Why is that? Did the need end? Oh, we got out to Greenville Village, no more need. We're all right. No, it didn't. It got difficult, it got complicated. You got your feelings hurt. Didn't think you were making much of a difference. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen that you get out there and you get energized, but then you start backing off of that energy. And you heard Rob say, you know, I I think Wilmington's a better place because of what you've been doing. I hope you keep doing it. Why did he say that? Because he's seen churches come and go and just stop. It gets difficult, and the church decides, hey, we're better back in this little jar over here. 
where we're just teaching the Bible and our lives are being transformed, but we don't actually have to touch anything that's difficult. So let's just shrink back and not take risks. And they understand there's real risk getting involved in their communities. They, real, they understand what it means to, for a church like us to say, hey, we're going to try to care for every part of our city best that we can. It's, it's risky. You see this heartbeat to extremity as a pattern in the Bible. It's not just a concept that we've got here at Christ Community Church. We're getting all of our concepts from the Bible. You, you see it all through the Bible where God starts something. It's like he gets a heart going. But you know when he gets going, it's not the end, it's the beginning. He gets something alive and he says, okay, now I've, I've done something transformative, but it's not the end, it's the beginning. And I want to walk us through several uh, patterns that we see here. First of all, in the book of Genesis, which means the book of beginnings. This is when the real heartbeat of the world began. And what, have, what could have been more spectacular? What could have been more awe-inspiring? What, what was more transforming when God took nothing and made the world in six days? And at the, at the end of the sixth day, he sits back and he says, even though every day had been good, you remember on the sixth day, he sits back and says, okay, this is very good. And is that it? God comes in, he creates something that's very good, he creates something perfect, and then he tells Adam and Eve, hey, Adam and Eve, build yourself a nice comfy chair. Just uh, get, you know, get a good lazy boy and sit back and just enjoy the view of the garden. No, no, see, that was the beginning, but he had in his intent set on Adam and Eve to actually enhance and extend what he's done. You and I are in business with God. We're in business to take the creative energy that he's given us, the identity that matches his identity, and to take what he's given us and take the raw materials and make them even more beautiful. And then to take those raw materials and move out into the world and be transformative to the world. That's the whole goal for Adam and Eve. And one of the passages I love from Genesis chapter 2, God describes a river that runs through Eden, and then it divides into four different rivers. And this is what he says about the first river. This river winds through a particular land. And in this land there is gold, a sweet-scented resin, and beautiful black onyx stones. You see what he's saying to Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, you're here in this garden, and it, it is very good. But there's still discoveries outside the garden. Everything isn't right here. In fact, if you go down this river, you're going to get to a different kind of land, and you're going to make incredible discoveries of gold, sweet resin, and these beautiful black onyx stones. If you stay in the garden, you're not ever going to see them. But if you take what I've given you and you move out to the garden, you're going to make discoveries, and those new discoveries are going to lead to doxology. Doxology, greater praise of God. I mean, you can stay in the garden and you can praise the Lord, but when you get outside of the garden and you discover new things about the Lord, your praise gets greater. 
He, he expands your understanding of you, the world, and mostly himself. So he's, he can't wait for Adam and Eve to extend themselves out of the garden and find even greater treasures that await them. So the point here is when God creates something, when he acts, it's never just the beginning. Never, it's never the end. It's the beginning. Here's another passage, Joshua chapter 4. This is a passage that we're all very familiar with because you hear it once a year at the Iron Leader, at the, uh, not Iron Leadership, but at Founders Day. You remember the, the place in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua's finally going to lead the people out of the desert into the promised land. And he's given these instructions. You're going to lead them through the River Jordan, and you're going to come out on the other side. And the other side, the name of this town is going to be called Gilgal which if you've been through 1 Samuel with us, you know, hey, Gilgal gets mentioned quite a few times in 1 Samuel. And what he says is, hey, when you're in the riverbed, every tribe get a stone. So there's 12 tribes that each, each member of the tribe, one member of every tribe picks up a stone, and we're going to go to Gilgal, and we're going to plant these stones in some sort of altar, some sort of way that when people pass by, they're going to say, how did those 12 stones get there? What do they, what do they mean? And God says this in verse 21 and 22. I want you to put these stones here so you don't forget how mighty God is. Seems like you, would, you wouldn't forget. I mean, if you were the one who walked through the River Jordan, it would just seem you wouldn't have forgotten. But somehow you get involved in the busyness of your life and what was a great moment becomes sort of a distant memory and you forget how great God is and he doesn't want you to forget and he wants to make sure your children understand as well. But then God clearly states his purpose for all this in chapter 4, verse 24. I'm asking you to do this so you won't forget, but also so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty as well. Do you see? It's not, it's not just for you to remember. It's also that everyone in the whole world is going to know the might of God. I'm bringing you into this particular land, not for you to stay in this land and say, hey, we've arrived at the promised land. Let's make a comfortable chair and sit back and enjoy it. No, I'm making you get to this particular place so the whole world would know. See, when God brings people into the promised land, it's not the end. It's the beginning. When you and I get to heaven, what you're going to say is it's just beginning. This, this, is, this is the beginning. I was all in sort of the prelude, and now when I get to heaven, you and I mostly think that's the end. That's the terminating point. I'm going to finally get the comfortable chair I can't afford, and I'm going to sit in heaven and just sit around and say, isn't it wonderful? And God's going to say, no, this is just the beginning. You've, you've just actually woken up. You're now in a place that the whole world, the whole universe is open to you in a way you never thought about before because when God does something, he doesn't do it as an end. He does it as a beginning. And you see, you see it repeated over and over in the Bible. We get to the New Testament and we see Jesus, whose Hebrew name would be Joshua. Joshua translated in Greek is Jesus. So Jesus is the new and better Joshua. 
Jesus is the reality and Joshua is the shadow. Joshua saved people from their slavery and brought them into the promised land. Jesus saved people from their sin and brought them into the kingdom of God. And so Joshua is just a shadow. And when Jesus comes, he does some incredible things. I mean, things that you and I could hardly even imagine. First of all, he's God in the flesh. He does all these incredible miracles. He, he dies on the cross for our sin. He raises from the dead. And then it all seems to culminate in Acts chapter 1. And he's been with his disciples. And he looks at his disciples one last time. And he says this in chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know what you're supposed to hear on that? A heartbeat. Guys, you weren't alive until the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. But when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, boom, boom. Your heart is really going to start beating. And you're going to come alive to me and my reality and my power in a way that you've never been alive to me before. And when you get that heartbeat, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. Do you hear that? He's, Jesus is giving his disciples the exact same assignment that God gave Adam and Eve. Hey, I brought you out of dust. I made your heart start breathing. I, I breathed into your lungs for your first breath. And I've made this great garden, but it's not just for you. It's for you to extend it out into the whole world. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling his disciples. And the passage continues and it says, And when he had said these things, they were looking on, and he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, behold, two men came and stood by them in white, probably angels, And they looked at these men, the the disciples, and said, Men of Galilee, these are the fishermen that lived in that area. Why do you stand looking into heaven? Now, if I had been a disciple, I'd say, Dude, why do you think I'm standing here looking into heaven? Didn't you just see what I saw? Jesus came, lifted up from the ground right here into heaven. That's why I'm standing here. I mean, you can appreciate that they don't want to let go of this moment. They're like, this is a holy moment. I mean, this is holy ground. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put 12 stones around here. I'm going to remember what Jesus did here. I'm going to remember that he promised me the Holy Spirit. I'm going I'm to remember what he did. It's so powerful. But they have to come down and like shake the disciples and say, but guys, do you know, this wasn't the end. This is the beginning. Do you remember what he said? You're going to leave this moment And you're going to go out into all the world. You're going to go into Jerusalem. You're going to go into Judea. You're going to go into Samaria. You're going to go into the whole world. And you're going to extend out the grace of God by your lives. You and I, we have a mission. Should you choose to accept it. It's the same mission that Adam and Eve had. It's the same mission Joshua and the Israelites had. It's the same mission the disciples had. And and that is, you've been given a heartbeat if you've been resuscitated by the grace of God. And this is so important. Now, you don't wait for people to come to you. 
you go to them. See, see, I'm not building a, a country where everybody's just going to come and funnel into Israel anymore. Now I'm building a group of people who are going to go out. And they're going to go out into all the world. And they're going to tell people about Jesus. And here's the most exciting, one of the most exciting things, is when you go out, you're going to make discoveries that's going to give you greater glory about God. If you just stay here, like Adam and Eve stayed in the garden, you would miss things that would help you understand how great God is. You can only learn so much by staying right here. It's when you extend yourself out into another life. Somebody who lives in the dark part of the universe. Somebody who's different than you. Somebody who has needs. Somebody who's challenged in some way. When you step into those places and you discover those people, it's so great. Many of you have these stories. I've gone to to the tutoring. I, I've done the reading. I've gone down to Greenville Village. I've, I've started talking to the person that I, I work next to. I've gone to my neighbor. I think Rob would appreciate me saying he, he's like the black onyx stone for Paul Phillips. I'm the, no, nah, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I'm the white gold, right? And he's the black onyx stone. I mean, he, he makes something happen for me to see God that I couldn't see otherwise. His, his little facet is like another little face on a diamond that I can only get so much brilliance out of one face. But the more faces that have the light of God shining into them, to them the more brilliance there is. And so that's our task. When God creates something, when he acts, it's never an end. It's always the beginning. We know this from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, what? He's a new creation. Behold, the old has gone, the new has come, period. Uh, no. Comma. And, no surprise here, you will be his ambassadors. Is anybody shocked by now? No, that's the, that's the same biblical pattern. You're going to take this message of reconciliation, and this is what's incredible. Paul says it's going to be as if you're preaching Christ to these people. What a task. What an honor. We're going to be the ambassadors for Christ. He's not just creating new people. He's creating new people who then can go out and God's going to make his appeal through us. Now, whenever you have a transformative moment, it's worthwhile remembering. It's something that you want to hold on to. And my hope is that as you hold on to those kinds of moments, you have a, a memento, memento, you have a, a Bible verse, you have a, a picture, you have something that helps you understand or remember kind of like the 12 stones of that moment. I'm going to show you this moment for Paul Phillips. This is a 60 by 10 foot trailer. It's in Myrtle Beach. South Carolina. It's on 9th Avenue South. 
exactly nine blocks away from the old pavilion. Do you remember that? It's one street away from the wagon wheel, a country western music bar. And I can tell you firsthand, they played their music all the way up to 2 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) And then this little ragged out shelter that came off the edge, when it rained, I can tell you firsthand, was a shelter for middle school students at 7 a.m. And so I got to hear country western music till 2 a.m. And middle school music at 7 a.m. Because in 1986, this was my home. This is where I moved to. It's one year removed from college. And although I called it my home, it turned into like a wrestling match with God. It was more like a wrestling rink. I mean, when I was in second grade and got baptized at First Baptist Church, that may be when I got saved. I don't, honestly don't know. But this is where God saved me from myself. And it took eight months to wrestle that out. Felt a little bit like, uh, remember Jacob wrestling with the Lord? He has that one night and it, the Lord comes to wrestle with him and he starts grappling with the Lord and it's a very strange kind of moment and the sun's coming up and, and whoever this divine figure is, they're saying, let me go. And Joseph, remember Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Let me go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. But mine was a little bit in reverse. I was in this little cage match with the Lord in this 60 by 10 foot trailer And I kept saying to the Lord, let me go. And he kept responding back, hey, I'm not going to let you go until I bless you. And I said, but God, I'm not sure I believe in you anymore. Let me go. Paul, I'm not going to let you go until I bless you. Hey, you're not doing a very good job on my mom who's dying of cancer. Why don't you let me go? Yeah, I'm not going to let you go until I bless you. God, I have no idea where I'm going in my life. I am like a ship without an anchor. I am just floating around, and if I could just find myself, then maybe I could come back to you. Yeah, I'm not going to let you go. You're never going to find yourself unless you find me. I'm not going to let you go, Paul, until I bless you. And so I have a picture of this. I have good memories of this moment. But this wasn't Paul Phillips's end. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this was the beginning. This is where Paul Phillips got a heartbeat. And God said, hey, now that I've blessed you, I've got other houses that I want you to build. That if you had just stayed on 9th Avenue South and stared at this moment, you would have missed. Paul, you would have missed so many precious stones like like each of you. You're like a little precious stone. That once he started, my heart beat and said, can you get outside of yourself now, Paul, and get into my world and my understanding that I'm going to introduce you to people and things and events that you couldn't possibly imagine 
Uh, last month, I'm preaching to these preachers in India. I'm like, I can't imagine how God would have taken me out of this little place, and now he's pushed me halfway across the world, and he let me just look for a whole week at these precious stones, these men and women who are preaching the gospel in India at great cost to their life. I would have completely missed it if I had just stayed in a little spot where God worked and not allowed him to say, Paul, I've got a, a, a something else for you. It was a transformative moment. And maybe Christ Community Church is a transformative place for you. You came in and you, maybe you thought you knew God, but wow, the Bible came alive. Maybe you didn't know the Lord and now you know the Lord. Maybe you've you sort of had some sense of him, but you've never really been discipled. It's the place where you've really grown. But I want you to say, I want you to hear me say, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. We're not going to pay off the debt, Lord willing, and say, everybody get a comfy chair. We're all done. No, this is the beginning of something. This is just, we're still at the very beginning And you and I know this, we can't stay here. We can't even meet all in the same room anymore. We can't stay here because there are children. There are triplets that got baptized here a few weeks ago. And their parents are saying, don't stay here, help us, help us. (laughs) There are college students here who, who want need enhancing and help. There's somebody who may have just wandered in today saying, I'm looking for a place where I can hear the Lord. I, I don't need you to stay here. I need you to help. And there's still people out in our city. They're coming into our city by the thousands. And whether they know it or not, their soul is saying, I've got to have help. And it's not going to come from television. It's not going to come from a phone. It's not going to come from the government. It's going to come from the church. But the church has to be willing to take what we've been given here and move out. So this morning, we are trying to get to a $1.2 million goal. And I want you to give to that goal. I wanted to make sure I say that as clearly as I can. And every amount helps. But I want you to know that during the capital campaign, I haven't been primarily focused on $1.2 million. Because I actually don't think it's nearly as difficult to raise $1.2 million as it is to raise people who understand the gospel and the need to go out. That's a lot harder than $1.2 million. And I want to say, I see that most of you have that same fire. You're like the little star. I, I see you. You're trying. Trying in your, your business. Trying in your neighborhood. You're trying with the kid at Mary C. Williams. You're trying with the people at Greenfield Village. You're trying wherever. You're trying. I, I greatly appreciate that. But we could raise $10 million today and say, let's just stay right here. And we'd die. So my prayer is as you think about what you're going to give, that really you think about your heart and Jesus more than you think about the amount 
and what he has called you to do and how he has called you to participate in what we're doing here. I'm going to pray for us and then I'll ask the ushers to come up. And again, it'll be, they'll, they'll come to your aisle. And if, if you're prepared to come forward, that's great. Again, no pressure. If you're, this is your first time here, totally understand that. Again, if you can't give money and you just say, I want to give my prayers, you can write that down on the card as well. And then Sam will come up and his team and we'll close with one song. And then I'll remind you about the tree. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come here this morning, the most important thing is the gospel. That, that you actually left heaven and came to us. And you rescued us from something that we couldn't rescue ourselves from. And now your disciples are called all to come and follow you. Which is not just to accept Jesus, but to live as Jesus would have us live. And that is to leave things behind in order to go out into the world and help other people understand the gospel. However that happens, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us here give with joy out of what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.